All right. Thank you for coming, and I'm sorry you all have to wear a mask, but I can still tell who you are, so that's all right. And I'm going to pretend that the Tuesday night girls are sitting right here. So I see you. I see you, Chris. I see you, Kelly. I see you all right there. Deanna, hi. Um, all right. Do we have our first? That one doesn't go. Is that screen network? Yeah, I do, because otherwise I don't know where you are. That would be great. Thank you. All right. Well, in the meantime, I'm going to talk to you about your, your outline for today. There's two sides of it. It's the exact same text. Um, we are going to start on the side with the righteous judgment in red. So we're going to go from there. And just so it wasn't confusing, I split it in two. So that's the last half of our lecture will be on the second page. I'll tell you when to flip that over. So, yeah, that'd be good. Sorry, this is a new, um, we're doing a little different than usual, so I usually rely on that quite a bit, so when we get that up, so. All right, so today's lesson, or this week's lesson is Second Thessalonians 3 to 12, and I just want to make a little spot here for uh, our exercise. In every week's lesson, there's a little try this. And this week, um, we were to make a cairn which is a, for the people who are hikers, it's a stack of rocks. Uh, and there's one uh, in the Bible that was right before the Jordan River that was placed there before they crossed into the Promised Land. And it's also used as a guide uh, today, a stack of stones to tell you how to stay on the trail. And so our exercise for this week, I hope you got a chance to do it was to memorialize uh, the tribulations that you've had or that you have on your plate right now and offer this as a tribute to the Lord. And I find that, uh, so I'll just gotta wait a little bit. We'll see. Let's talk, well, while we're waiting for that, we'll talk about your next week's exercise. If you didn't get a chance to talk about it, our group, ahead of time, we will uh, look at the, what the exercise is for next week so that you can start it right away uh, at the beginning of your week because what happens is, okay, you've had a busy week. Let's say you save the lesson until the night before, like Monday night or something. Well, then you haven't had a chance to do the exercise or the try this. And there's an arrow uh, over the top of it each lesson. Next week is on page 34. And uh, if you want to have your lesson there, that'd be fine. It says, this week, as you practice living as an heir, because next week our lesson is going to be about inheriting, what we inherit by being a believer. This whole study is about uh, looking forward. It's about what we get at the end. What's the payoff? Uh, not so much we're not really dwelling on, thank you, um, not really dwelling on how we get there, although today's lesson was in large part that. We're really wanting to focus on the payoff at the end. So next week's going to be our inheritance. And so your practice this week will be, as you practice living as an heir, speak aloud what you have learned, explain to someone else what you've learned about transferring your hope of the here and now to an eternal perspective, and write some thoughts about your conversation. So what we want you to do is, uh, as you do your lesson, speak it. Speak it to people in your home. Speak it to the people at the grocery store. 
Um, you could say, well, I know, you can say the lady at the checkout counter, well, I know I had to wait a long time in line, but that's okay because I'm going to inherit, boom. Or you can see somebody walking their cute dog in the park, and, and if you have a conversation there, say, yeah, you know, everybody talks about the weather. The weather's been hot. This has been a hard summer. Yeah, but in the end, this is what I get. So what we want you to do is to practice having those kind of conversations with strangers, maybe with people you even know, and encourage your sisters in the Lord that these are light and momentary afflictions because in the end, we have an eternity with the Lord face to face. So that's your practice. So I hope you can try it once at least, or say it to your kids, or say it to your students, or say it to whoever you are with, and practice that because then you will experience a living God. And a book I've recently read, they have a category of Christians called resilient Christians. And they're the ones who believe it, lock, stock, and barrel, who act on it, who practice it. And it's because they practice. They practice. And Christianity isn't something that all of a sudden dawns on you. It's just like anything else, like athleticism or anything else. You have to practice it. And so these practices are critical for having that experience, that experiential God. And you can know him that way, and you can feel the Spirit. You can experience the Holy Spirit that way as you practice. It's just not doing a lesson, doing your homework. It's practicing it. So I hope that each week you'll look for that right away and see if you can't, um, you can't work on that. So that's for next week. So I hope I have some good stories. But for this week, okay, let's move us along then. We were supposed to do a cairn. And this is a stack of three brownies. Um, you're supposed to do it with rocks. But I have God with me at all times. So I, I sitting down, I thought, why am I eating this crappy food, and I thought, oh, oh, we're supposed to build a cairn. So I cut, them in for, I cut it in force, and I stacked it up, and I thought, what are your tribulations, and why are you eating this brownie? Because you're trying not to eat sugar anymore. So I went through it, and I thought, well, probably predominantly in my mind is uh, I had a family situation that we're working with somebody to end of life, and it's, and it's been sad. That's my first one. Then my second one was, uh, I'm teaching on Tuesday and I'm worried about that. I'm afraid I'm gonna go blank, which is common for somebody my age. And, uh, and so I stacked them up. And that was kind of a practice for me, was just in the moment saying, what's wrong, Lord? What's wrong right now? Can you tell me? And a lot of times it's nice if I'm quiet enough to let him tell me what's wrong, uh, to listen and say, what's wrong with me right now? Because I think I know but I don't always know, and he knows me so well that he can tell me, so that's good to practice that one. Okay, next slide. Here's one that uh, one of the girls in our group did. I hope, I, like I said, I'm a big fan of these experience practicings. Uh, this is a Karen up at, what lake was it, Leah? Black Canyon Lake, so she, those are some pretty big stones, but that she did that, and she's got some big things going on, so she chose some big stones, and uh, and God breaks through on those things. Um, and just think of what it takes to bear those, to carry those stones if you don't give them up. So that was hers. Okay, next one. Um, our girls love the practice. We love those things in our group. So uh, our creative mom, uh, who had time uh, to had her kids paint the stones with her, and she made it a family practice. 
and they stacked them up and they're on their fireplace mantle now. So um, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, we had another, um, <laughs> we got into our group this morning. Uh, one of our girls made, made uh, I don't even know what you call it, but she put words to it, to her tribulations. And, and so I wrote them down because it was just from this morning. But these were her five. Recreation lamentation, because she's not feeling well, and so she can't exercise. So recreation, lamentation. The next one, communication, frustration, because she had a hard time talking with her husband, and they aren't communicating sometimes. Rejection, fabrication. You know, feeling like she's not accepted, so she makes things up in her mind. Rejection, fabrication. Isolation, separation. Um, you know, not feeling well, having to stay at home, and the COVID thing. And then the last one was appreciation, starvation. That just didn't feel very appreciated. So that was real creative. I thought we'd give those to Caleb Smith and let him do a spoken word with those. That'd be fun. All right. So we did that. All right, so let's go two slides forward. Yep, there you go, First Thessalonians. Okay, let's look at your outline. The introduction to our lesson this week was that we're on the tarmac. Uh, the plane is delayed. You know, we're, we're sitting on the tarmac in the plane. Uh, think about that there's no air conditioning. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. You're getting restless, fidgety, and you want to get off the plane. And if it were up to you, you would run to Atlanta yourself. You want to get off the plane and get to your destination and do it in the way that you think is right. And how ridiculous is that? You can't run all the way to Atlanta. But it makes sense in our minds that we want to get out of the tribulation. We want to get out of that and move it along. And that's the, the backdrop of this lesson today, are the Thessalonians, the Greeks, the ones that say, uh, Opa, and drink that licorice stuff, whatever you call that, my big fat Greek wedding. These are the Thessalonians, and, uh, and they were being persecuted. And in our lesson, we saw that they uh, have afflictions of every kind, uh, the same way that people are being beheaded in Nigeria, the way that the Chinese have to practice their faith underground, uh, the worldwide uh, persecution that we don't really experience in its profoundest sense for being Christians, but we have afflictions nonetheless, and they all count, uh, starting with burnt toast all the way to somebody cutting you off in traffic to um, somebody yelling and screaming at you until you're a, a hot mess. But um, we have tribulations and afflictions too, so we can identify with them. And this is the backdrop of this story, um, the preaching of Paul saying to the Thessalonians, I know that you are in the middle of persecutions and afflictions. And then he's going to talk about tribulations and the day of his appearing in the same text. And why do you think that is, anybody? Why do you think that he's talking about those two things all in one? What's the advantage? of talking about the here and now and our future all in one text. Sorry? For hope, uh-huh. And what'd you say, Suzette? 
Oh, same hope and peace. Yeah, so in the midst of these persecutions and afflictions that we have, we have hope, and he's bringing those two together, tribulations and the last day. If you ever sit down over a cup of coffee and you talk with a girlfriend about uh, the bad thing that's happened this week, the hard thing that's happened this week, I was convicted on a personal level of I don't really put these two things together. I don't put tribulation together with, but wait, there will be a day. There will be a day. And it's not false reassurance. In nursing school, I was cautioned when you talk to people who are suffering, you don't give false reassurance. You don't say, oh, it'll be fine. It'll all work its way out. Did you ever have anybody say that to you? And it's just like awful because it, it's not going to work its way out. It doesn't feel like that. But this is truth. And if it's said in love, it's a beautiful thing. If it's lovingly said, let's talk about Let's transfer our focus from the hard things right now and let's just dream about Christmas Day. Let's dream about what it's going to be like on that day. And that's what Paul is doing here. All right, next slide. All right. We want to look at a couple other texts to back up this, this uh, idea of tribulation with the end um, in this verse we ought always to give thanks to you God for um, for you brothers as that it's right because your faith is growing abundantly and love of every one of you for one another is increasing so in the middle of this persecution something else is happening isn't it the beginning rumbling of the day of his appearing it's starting to happen God is already transforming in the middle of this tribulation. He's already transforming the Thessalonians, and he is the one on these underlying things that's causing their faith to grow abundantly. He is the one that is giving love for every one of you in this season. Look how many people have made meals. That it was a tough competition. I'm so proud. I'm so proud that during this difficult time, we're making meals for one another. That's my love language, and I love to do it too. Okay, and then what else is God giving? God is providing steadfastness and faith in all the persecutions and the afflictions that you are enduring. God is doing that, and he's at work in this tribulation, transforming and rewiring each Thessalonian in the middle of trouble. It's a refining fire, but he is transforming for the day of his appearing. Let's look at the next slide. In 1 Thessalonians, it says... Um, I'll just highlight this a little bit. It says, these troubles that we have ought not to be unexpected. This is the way of the Christian life. I don't know how many times I've heard, and you have probably heard, I didn't sign up for this. If this is what Christ's love is like, forget it. I quit. And we walk away. We walk away because it's too much. And the expectation is that God is going to be loving toward me and he's going to make my life easier and the abundance is going to fall from the sky and isn't that what our fleshly understanding is of God my earthly understanding of God is that he's a vending machine and when I behave properly something will fall out of the vending machine and I will get you know a pack of Lorna dunes but that's not who God is that's not who God is it says even here in First Thessalonians, and we believe that Scripture is God-breathed, 
and that his word is true. And so in this scripture, it says that these afflictions, you're destined for them. They're part of the Christian life. We're destined for suffering affliction. It's not just only part of the Christian life. We're destined for it. Okay, the next slide. Acts 14.22, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. The next slide. And Romans 8.17, and if we are children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And this is a beautiful parallel text for what we're looking at today. We share in his sufferings so that we will share in his glory. Because what happens in these sufferings? We're refined. We're, we're prepared like the bride of Christ. God is giving us white garments. He's taking my love affair with the world and my tight fist on I have to have my steak medium rare or by golly, heads are going to roll. So he takes that tight fist of those stupid little things that are worthless and says, let me give you an eternal perspective. Let me make you like me. So when you see me, when you see me face to face, you will be like me. That's, that's what's going on in these sufferings. Yeah. Okay, next slide. This is my first response. Something I get a speed bump, I call it. There's a speed bump. And I go to my usual rhetoric. I am, I am, um, you know, I see the billboards. You be you. Just, you know, be you. And I don't want to be me. I, I don't want to be me. I am. And this is my, my habit, to gear up, to self-talk, to analyze it according to the media, which is very popular. I am this political party, that political party. I am a believer in, you know, all the, the latest causes that we're painting graffitis and we're making a stand and trying to put ourselves into columns that God never intended us to be in columns. If we're going to put ourselves in a this or a that column, then, oh, I prayed that you would put yourself into I am a child of God column. And if you have to go to the wall for who you are, that that would be your first narrative. That would be your first narrative. I learned a new, a new word I've heard lately that I like to use, and it's, the word is metric. That I use a metric, and it's, I use a way to measure things. I have a metric for God. That's how I'm going to measure things, by God's standard, not by the political party standard um, or, or whatever the causes that are so fast and furious with all the ads that are coming right now with the political wave that my metric would be one of the Lord. Now, nowhere on here, the I am, nowhere on there is the name of Jesus. Nowhere... Is there a place where it says, I'm quickly running to you. I'm quickly trying to, is my thing that I always say, I don't quickly go from me to we. I think me, me, me. I think how I think. I, I have this narrative that goes around and around. And as soon as I reach up and say, Lord, let's you and I talk. And that's the first problem solver that I'm, I think that God practices me into. The times are getting shorter and shorter that, that I 
you know, get in the habit of having my own, my, my quick tongue and my sharp answer and waiting for God to say, you, uh, how about this? How about that? Maybe we do it this way. Maybe we do it that way. It's usually always with the people we love the most, isn't it? So we ask him to do that next. I forget who I am. Uh, next, the next slide. Yeah, I forget who I am. I've got a film clip, and I just show of hands how many of you have seen the animated Lion King. It's a little older now. Is there anybody who has not? I mean, if you have not, please see it. Please see it. Um, the new one that came out with the real animals is just unbelievable, uh, in my opinion, just unbelievably great. Um, and so I have a little film clip uh, from that movie that we're going to watch. I'll give it a little intro. Um, it is the scene where uh, Simba, who is uh, the son of the king, lion, um, of the pride, his father has died and he thinks it's his fault. And so he runs away. Um, and isn't that kind of a good technique, you know? If, if you deny that something's there, it won't be there, and it works really well uh, for a little while. You know, if you don't think you have blood, high blood pressure, then just don't take it, and you won't have it. That's, that's a mentality of quite a few people. If it's not there, well, you know, it must not be there. So Simba, the lion, runs away, and he lives in another place like Moses did after he killed somebody and ran away for 40 years and then comes back. And this is Simba is kind of wandering his way back. And he runs into a baboon, a baboon whose name is Rafiki. And, uh, and Rafiki speaks to him about who he is. So when you listen to this clip, I hope that you never watch this movie again without seeing God all the way through it because every story, especially children's movies, are two stories. It's not... You can see the Lord in movies. It's not intended, I'm quite sure, but, but in this clip, um, uh, listen to it and listen to the father speak to his son. So go ahead and run that. Oh, this is, whoops, I forgot that part, but yeah, we'll just start. <laughs> Creepy little monkey. You stop following me? Who are you? The question is, who are you? I thought I knew. Now I'm not so sure. Well, I know who you are. Shh, come here. It's a secret. Enough already. What is that supposed to mean, anyway? It means you're a baboon. And I'm not. <laughs> I think you're a little confused. Wrong. I'm not the one who's confused. You don't even know who you are. Oh, and I suppose you know. Sure do. You're Mufasa's boy. Hi. Hey, wait! You know my father? Correction, I know <laughs> your father. I hate to tell you this, but he died a long time ago. Nope, wrong again! <laughs> He's alive, and I'll show him to you. You follow old Rafiki, he knows the way. Come on!
That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. Did you ever see it that way when you're watching that you've forgotten who you are and look inside yourself, look inside yourself, I'm in you, you know, so, so that's a beautiful way, I think, in a tribulation to, um, to remember this movie, so I hope that that'll help you. Okay, let's go to our next slide, and we'll go back to this verse. We are sons of the king and it says here that you will share in his sufferings and part of being part of this pride uh, this lion pride is that we share in his sufferings and we will share in his glory both so let's now start looking at your outline okay next slide please okay so you see this first little part is uh, verse 5 we're going to go through verse 5 to 7 and it says that this suffering, in the suffering that the Thessalonians are experiencing, there is a righteous judgment of God. And you think, well, how can suffering be a righteous thing to inflict on us? 
and that's how we think of it as an affliction it's 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 given to us and it's and it seems like whoever would bestow suffering and injustices or allow it would be an unrighteous person because bad people are the ones who cause suffering so we take this earthly idea of bad people give suffering and stay here on the earth with both lead feet stuck on the earth and don't really want to go to a, a heavenly metric and say, you know, how does God use suffering? But in this text, it says that this is a righteous judgment, that it's right, it's just, and it's right, it's right that God should do this. It's a little hard to hear, especially if we're looking at it through our fleshly lens, um, that we are pretty good at avoiding suffering at all cost. But when we look at the kingdom ideology of God, the kingdom metric, if you will, we're taught a higher, better way than we can even imagine. Nothing unusual is going on here. God is doing it rightly. He's not wronging anyone. All Christians walk this path in order that we will be glorified with him. Okay, next slide. There are three things in, our, in your handout there. You'll see an A, a B, and a C. A, B, and a C. And there's three reasons here that explain why this, that God, and that it's right and it's just, God is right and just, and his actions are right and just. And in this text, it gives us three reasons why. So they're listed there, A, B, C. A, now this is how you make a list. If you're looking at scripture and you want to delve deeper into it, you can make a list. And this would be a list describing righteous judgment. So, A, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. And don't we, then if you go worthy, what? I thought I already was worthy. I thought I was made justified. I thought I was in the kingdom of God. I thought I was adopted as a son. I thought that I, that was a done deal. So the question then is, I'm being made worthy. What does that mean? It means that um, on the day of his appearing, that you will be ready. There is a justification, and all of those things are true. And there's a sanctification. There is an acceptance and being made right by the substitutionary work of Christ. And there's also um, a sanctification process. And that's what they're talking about here. We know that our sins are forgiven as far as the east is from the west. We know that. That's in Scripture. Make sure you check all your Scripture references that there's guaranteed into the entrance of the kingdom of God. And he continues to transform us and rewire us so that on that day we'll be able to stand in front of a terrifying Christ who is in, or God who is in, in, enraptured in flames and not be shaking and dropping down to the ground because through the tribulations that we've had, we will come to recognize him. We will put down our earthly desires and we will embrace more and more of who God intended us to be. Okay, next slide. The word worthy means fitted, suitable, weighing as much as. In other words, 
through the sufferings, God is making us suitable as a bride ready for her Lamb of God on that day. We'll talk about the wedding feast later. Okay, let's go on the next slide. Okay, an example of that, Esther, when she was going to get married to the king, she was going to have a wedding. They prepared her with oil, anointing the same thing as the anointing of the high priest for service. There was oil, there was anointing, there was perfume, incense, cosmetics, persistent prayer, intercession, and all these things are the practicing. I want to get you ready, God is saying. I want to get you ready in this way. Next slide. And the whole New Testament sweep, the whole New Testament sweep is to make me worthy to meet Christ. I, I don't know about you, that, that makes my heart... Okay, you know, today my ears are clogged up, I can't hear, there's something in the air that's giving me allergies, that's making me worthy to meet with Christ. That's taking away my earth suit, that's unpeeling my hands off of the things I want to keep. I want to keep my health, who doesn't, you know, but the outer man decays, right? Inner man, what Kelly? The inner man renews day by day. Yep, mm-hmm, yeah. Okay, next slide. He must increase and I must decrease. Next slide. Okay, and second reason, since God indeed considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you, he is a just God and will not allow those sufferings to go on. There will come a point in time when he'll stop those. Next slide. See, and he will grant us relief. And that means not just relief from the suffering. We will live in a relieved posture. We'll be at peace and we'll be able to breathe in God, to breathe in God. The next slide. Now we're going to go to the next, the next section here. I put my little paper. Well, okay. Flip your outline over and let's finish the text then. We'll start with verse 7, and we see eight things that are going to happen on this day. So we'll clip through these, but you don't even have to write them down because I made them all in red. Okay, these are the things that are going to happen. Here's another list. A, the Lord Jesus is revealed. That means he's coming. It's going to be a day of revelation. There's going to be no more in the shadows, no more hiding. There will be an unveiling, and he will dwell among us. There will be a revelation. Okay, the next one. And he's coming. It won't be a dream. It won't be a vision. He will be here physically. His physical glorified body, he will be here. The next slide. And he will come from heaven. He will come from his throne, come down to the earth, and he will bring his throne with him. His reign will come from heaven down to the earth, and he will reign. Next slide. And he'll come with his mighty angels. Isn't it good to just sit on these one by one? He will come with his mighty angels, a myriad of angels, all their wings going, multitude, powerful, and the angels are going to gather everybody from the four corners of the earth, it says in Revelation. Next. He will come in a flaming fire. He'll be hard to miss. He'll be hard to miss. With that fire comes purity. Now, next one. He will inflict vengeance. That means that he is going to make every single wrong thing right. So that now you can say, Whatever's bothering me, I got my fist around. That's okay. He's going to make it right. He's going to make it right. And we're going to just kind of slide over that because our study is really about happy. So, okay, the next slide, please. 
and he will come to be glorified in his saints. This is Christ's purpose. He comes to be glorified. He aims to get your marvel. Isn't that a nice word? He wants us to marvel. And notice what this does not say. This is my favorite part of this text. It doesn't say that the aim of the glory is the glory of Christ, even though that would be perfectly right to say that and true. And in other texts it says that. But in this text, in this text, the glory, the glory is going to be in me. It's going to be in Georgia. It's going to be in Morgan. It's going to be in Susan. It's going to be in Hazel. The glory is going to be in us and what everybody's marveling at. And the glory is the transforming work that Jesus has done in me. That's the highlight of the show. It's not Jesus would have every right to be glorified in and of himself. But on that day, the glory will be what God has done in me. And he'll say, wow, Kristen, you know, I took you from here to here. And look what I did. I completely transformed you into my image. And everybody's going to go, whoa. That's what's going to happen on that day. What a beautiful, think about the personality of Jesus who would want that, who would design that to be the end point, that he's transformed us. And unfortunately, it comes through suffering, but so grateful. All right, and I'm going to finish up with our last verses if you flip the next slide. This is my favorite. I keep this picture on my phone. On the darkest days when I feel inadequate, unloved, and unworthy, I remember whose daughter I am, and I straighten my crown. Remember who you are. Okay, verse 11. With this in mind, I'm going to pray to close. With this in mind, we constantly pray that our God will empower you to live worthy of all that he's invited you to experience. And we pray by his power, all the pleasures of goodness and all works inspired by faith would fill you completely. And by doing this, the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you, and you will be glorified in him by the marvelous grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Oh God, that he would make us worthy, that you would, by your power, fulfill every one of my resolve and my just stubbornness, that you would resolve those things, that you would heal those things, and you would transform me in the middle of difficulties for every good and every faith transformed into trusting you more. In your name we pray, amen.